coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Oh, look, another gray rainy day in the winter that is 2022-2023. <laughs> At least it's not like cold. I mean, it's not warm, but it's not cold. Today's high is going to be right 68. When you look at 68, you think, oh, man, that's going to be a great day. No. No. <laughs> Tomorrow, however, eh, not bad. 73 and cloudy. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. Is there a chance of rain tomorrow? doesn't look like there's a chance of rain tomorrow. You did not come here for the weather forecast, and I apologize. Welcome to the Ron Show for hump day. So, I know that I tend to make this show about Atlanta and Georgia politics, and we dive into the national stuff a little bit, kind of dipping our toe in the water. I want to start today's show with Nikki Haley. I lived in South Carolina, a little background, for 11 years, eight of which Nikki Haley served as governor of that state. So I know a little bit about Nikki Haley and the way she governs, and while Polls will tell you Nikki Haley is not a factor when it comes to resting the GOP nomination from the likes of Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump. I will tell you that as a Democrat, as Democrats, we better hope she's not the nominee. Listen, I fully recognize this may be one of those segments we look back on in 2024 and giggle and laugh and say, Ron, you're an idiot. (laughs) I fully recognize that that potential exists because, again, she's polling at, what, 1% less than maybe? I get that. Donald's hair probably polls better. But I'm telling you, if there's one thing I know, it's, it's, it's about checking off boxes from a sociological standpoint and how the American electorate tends to be swayed by things from a thin veneer. And from a thin veneer, Nikki Haley checks off a lot of boxes. She is an attractive female with leadership history. She was, after all, governor of South Carolina for nearly two terms, only leaving the last term to serve as the UN ambassador for the United States under Donald Trump. So she has electoral history. She, uh, again, is an attractive female. She uh, has a family. She is the daughter of immigrants. This is all the the sort of packaging that really makes the Republican Party look good. And listen, we know the Republican Party is all about looking good. What I mean by that is her presence as a female, daughter of immigrant, and therefore something of a minority, although when you look at her, you don't necessarily see that right away. These are all attractive qualities to the GOP. Now, if she were to also somehow win the nomination and choose, for example, an African-American running mate, I know the name Tim Scott pops off the page right away, but he also hails from South Carolina. I can't see where it benefits the GOP to have a ticket tandem from the same state. Anyway, if she were, however, to choose an African-American running mate, well, there again, this is just one of those perfect scenarios where the GOP says, well, see, 
we can't be anti-female or anti-immigrant or anti-black if our entire ticket is immigrant, female, and black. So what faction of the GOP would be drawn to her? Who does she appeal to? I think she appeals to conservative women, obviously. I think she appeals to fiscal conservatives, pro-life conservatives, hawkish conservatives. And despite serving in the Trump administration on his cabinet, the anti-Trump, the never-Trump Republicans kind of have to like her, right? She's been one of the few who's been able to be critical of him while also serving him. So she's got to get some favor from the never-Trumper Republicans as well. And let's remember, it's the never-Trumpers that kind of pushed Joe Biden over the top in 2020. So you have to think that the power brokers within the GOP who aren't still suckling at the Trump teat, who aren't still bootlicking at Mar-a-Lago, have to look at her and say, guys, gals, she's the one. And I'm telling you, while I would not like Nikki Haley to be president of the United States, I think that they'd be smart to see her as the person that the party should rally behind. I mean it. Because it just makes a lot of sense. And I know how the American voter tends to think. How they're swayed. Been on this planet for 48 plus years, nearly 49. I've seen a lot of elections. I've seen how voters tend to be drawn to visceral things. Oh, she's a strong woman. And a conservative's. Conservatives don't like strong liberal women, but they like strong conservative women. (laughs) They won't think that she's shrill. They won't see her as an immigrant or a daughter of an immigrant because she's largely anti-immigration. And there may even be some moderate women who want to see that glass ceiling crash through who may go ideology be damned. That's it's time to see that. It's time we saw that in this country. I mean, I'm not saying it's a huge number of voters, but it's a number of voters. It is a number of voters. It just is. And there may be those who are of South Asian descent in this country, who are pro-immigration, who tend to vote more liberally, who may also be drawn to vote for the daughter of Indian Sikh parents. Again, I'm not saying it's a large number, but it's a number. And you have to remember, in modern times, the GOP doesn't win by popular vote. They, they pretty much can't. They win by an electoral college when it comes to presidential elections that disproportionately benefits them. I don't think we'll ever see in our lifetime a Democrat win an electoral college election without winning the popular vote. But it's always likely, always a possibility for the GOP nominee to do that. And I think when you start nipping away at the margins the way a Nikki Haley candidacy can, she makes that possibility something of a probability. Again, I'm no fan of her ideologically. I kind of think she's a bit panderous. She grew up in a Sikh family, 
and yet she's a Christian now. She's not Nimrata Randawa anymore. Of course, she married, so she wouldn't still be Rand Randawa, but she's not Nimrata. She's Nikki. She had no interest in removing the Confederate flag from the State House grounds until an abhorrent mass shooting at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston. And even then, right away, she didn't want to talk about it. She didn't want to discuss it. And while there are those never-Trumpers who will say, well, she stood up to Donald Trump often. Yes, she did, but not while serving him. Although it must be noted, she's running against Donald Trump, who's announced that he's running, which means she's obviously no longer kissing the ring on that fat little orange carroty finger, right? Now, this is one of these moments where it, it, it might be a little too soon to start reacting to who's running for president on the GOP side of the spectrum. But Democrats, Joe Biden in particular, need to be cognizant of what could shape up and be ready if need be. I've said on a number of occasions, I'm not sure Joe Biden should run for re-election. Personally, I'd love to see him spend the next two years going balls to the wall, shooting for the moon, knowing full well that he is that old man planting the trees he will never enjoy the shade of. I think his legacy, presidentially speaking, will already be strong for the first two years what he's been able to accomplish in the face of such hyper-partisanship coming out of a pandemic is nothing short of remarkable. But I think there's more that can be done if he aims even higher for the next two years and goes out in a blaze of glory. Executive order his way into the sunset and set the table for the next ticket that propels not just the party, but the country well into the 21st century, representing the ideals of the majority of the country in a way that the majority has never fully been satisfied by leadership before. And I know that'll make me unpopular with some Democrats. Okay, whatever. It's just time for us to to borrow from West Wing, to go from Jed Bartlett to Matt Santos or whoever that is going to be. It's time to start having that conversation, at least quietly, just in case. More Ron Show on America One Radio after this. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash realtor with EXP Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post-COVID market, the craziness. You could throw an open house on a souped-up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, it's still a great time to either buy or sell or both real estate, residential real estate in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, you are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money. 
and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s, with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property, now if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors. Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay, yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping, so you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up. 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720. Website ronontheReal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with EXP Realty.